she's got nothing to fear but career itself. I can see my house from 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 I can be a mascot. Could have been a Welcome to I Can See My House From Here. Hi! Long time no see. Uh, just like the um, Malaysia episode, well, I guess like the second part of the Malaysia episode, I'm here in the United States. I've been here for maybe uh, almost three weeks. And uh, I uh, have taken some a little, little time off. I was pretty sick. Oh my goodness, the sickness. I cannot wait to talk to you about that. But um, here I am, and I'm going to talk about the second half of the Argentina tour. So we left off I, I guess we went to that museum and that was very very early on in the tour so I wrote some stuff down here that I'd love to talk about but first let's talk about you how are you feeling how are you doing doing okay are you on the road right now oh man I know it sucks to drive I wouldn't know because in New York we, we don't we don't drive or you know artists don't don't drive anyway unless it's an uber or a bicycle anyway I'm currently sitting in Central Park right now. Uh, Robert is in rehearsal uh, for this new musical that he's in, uh, and it's called Unturning, but we're not going to talk about him because this is my podcast. <laughs> so I'm here in Central Park. It's great. To be quite honest, I haven't really, I think I've only been in, in Central Park once, and it's wonderful. There's like a lot of people just laying around half naked and people smoking all sorts of drugs and uh, people just having a grand old time, picnics, it's great. I, I wish I could have come here more often. It's uh, a little unfortunate that by the time I come back it will be winter again, but hey, that's fine. I can, there will always be summer uh, in Central Park, right? So if you hear any screams or any weird music or people throwing footballs around, now you know where I am. All right, well, let's get started. So uh, we, the majority of this tour, our bosses, told us that this was the hardest leg that this leg is really the, the the trying one it's you know if they said if you can get through this one then you can breeze through all of the others and you know our first leg was was pretty easy I mean we would have what, a show a day maybe and we'd have two days off in a row this one was very difficult because the company is based in Buenos Aires you know that, that that's that's their turf so there were a lot of schools that we had to go to we had one show and this was only once only oh, <laughs> they had one show and it was only one day um, and it said so in the contract that they would never let us work past five shows a day and I think this was the rule maker because there was one uh, theater space where we performed five times almost in a row I think we had two right after each other with like an hour break in between and then the other three. So that was, whoo. And that's why I haven't been able to uh, podcast every single week or as leisurely as I did in, in the first couple episodes. So that was, oh my goodness, we, dro we basically drove from Buenos Aires. We, then we, we drove from Buenos Aires to Patagonia, which is the bottom of the southern part of Argentina. We didn't reach the tip, uh, unfortunately. But that was fine for us because we were spending, you know, eight to fifteen hours in a in a cramped van. <laughs> so, and then after that, we went up to the north. 
one thing that I didn't mention to you guys when uh, all of us were talking in the van was, I think it was my first night in Costa Rica, I would speak Spanish and people would know that I was Mexican because of the way that I spoke and also this weird word. And this was this was like the, the deal breaker, I guess, or I don't even know what it's, but this was like the word where they went, oh, you're Mexican. So in, in my father always taught me that if you wanted to ask someone you know, to repeat what they said, you would say, mande, you know? Like, there's even a home video of my father calling my name, and I go, eh. And he goes, como que eh? Mande. Which is like, what do you mean, eh? Say mande. So mande was always the polite term to, to say in I, what I thought, yes, or can you say that again, or what would you like me to do? Because it's mande me. It's like, at attention, I'm, I'm ready to do what you ask. So when uh, people would be talking in Costa Rica or in Argentina, and I couldn't quite understand what they were saying due to their beautiful accent, they would look at me and they would repeat, but not after kind of being quiet, because some people didn't know what I was saying. Uh, then they would ask, apparently only Mexicans say mande. And then my boss told me that that is proof of how oppressed they were <laughs> during all of the wars that was happening down there, that our, like... Could you say that again, please? It's not even, it's it's more of a, I'm at attention, I'm here to do your bidding, tell me what you want me to do and I'll do it. I think it's, I think it's cute. I think it's quaint. I think it's professional. Uh, <laughs> but anyway, so that was a thing that a lot of people noticed that I did. And apparently I got, I got complimented on how clear my Spanish was, because in Argentina people don't pronounce a lot of the consonants, so I was commended on that, and that I was sing-songy, that when I spoke Spanish, my tone kind of uh, lifted and it was kind of like I was riding on a little roller coaster. So that was interesting because I know in, in Mexico, Mexico City is like the heart of that, where it's very pronounced. So I never, I've never been to Mexico City, I've been to Monterey, and in Monterey, we make fun of people from Mexico City. So the fact that they just assumed <laughs> that we all sounded the same, you know what? But who knows? I'm sure we all do. Because it's not like I know every single dialect difference in the whole fucking country of Argentina. Anyway, we were in Costa Rica. Everything was great. The second week I was there, uh, I got very sick. I started to not feel like I could breathe. I was feeling very lightheaded, and then I was getting really, really bad intestinal cramps, like as if I needed to use the restroom, but I, I, I couldn't. And um, these cramps were coming like contractions. For first, it was like every 15, 20 minutes or every 15 minutes. So this was the last day we were in Costa Rica. We were gonna have a nine-hour flight to Argentina, and that whole night, I think I slept the equivalent to about two hours because I was having to, to shit my pants every, maybe every 10 minutes. And it was, it sucked so bad because I was so tired. And as soon as I would drift off to sleep, I would feel the urge to go to the restroom again. Uh, luckily this hotel that we were in was uh, very nice. So Claire and I had two separate bathrooms. So that was, that was good for her anyway. <laughs> um, and uh, thankfully when, when I got to the Argentine, when we got to the airport, Claire helped me out and we asked the flight attendants if I could have an extra seat just so I can kind of lay down or, or stick my feet out because I looked bad. I mean, I couldn't even carry my suitcase. I had a headache. I felt dizzy. Uh, my face was drained, just drained with color. And uh, we did. I did. And I got a seat, not after meeting this really mean lady on the plane who wanted five seats to herself 
five uh, out of a six-seater, you know, center aisle. And uh, I walked up to, you know, claim my seat, and she goes, no, I think you sit over here on uh, by the window. And I said, no, this is my seat. And she goes, okay, well, I have these five because I have a bad leg. This is all in Spanish. She's like, I have, I have these five because I have a bad leg. And I said, okay, well, I just asked if I could... Um, if I could have an extra seat because I'm not feeling very well too. And she goes, no, well, I need all five because my leg is really bad and I just got uh, done from, um, I don't know if she said surgery or, or having some physical therapy or something like that. And I said, well, I, I understand, but I'm also in pain, so I want this seat. It, it's also my seat. You cannot take it away from me. And uh, she just wasn't cooperating, so I went to a flight attendant. And at this point, I was uh, at my, not at my wit's end, but I was getting very impatient and uh, the the contractions were still happening uh, that hadn't stopped so I was getting contractions every once in a while oh they were crippling I don't even know whatever it was so bad so the flight attendant comes over and she's like hey give this girl two seats she, and the woman was like well you know I need five and, and she's like you don't need all five to extend your whole body I was like give this little girl two seats she's feeling sick too so that was great but when we were sleeping she got her her feet right her feet were coming onto my seats you know because she was trying to extend her feet and I was like hey you know what that's fine we're gonna share I don't mind touching your feet with my feet that's fine and so I started doing it you know I was extending my feet to to make room for hers on her side so at one point she woke up and she felt my feet and she started to kick me she started to kick me so that I can wake up and move my feet away and uh, I was fully aware and I just didn't move I didn't, I didn't move. And I kind of wanted to kick her back really hard because I wanted to say, bitch, you're fucking, you're all up on my seat and I'm not saying anything and you're not even willing to share, whatever. So there's nine hours of passive aggression from this other lady. What, oh, she, oh, she was so mean, so rude. Kicking me, come on, with your bad foot? Psh, that's something that I, I don't think I mentioned in the van. All right, so our experience in Buenos Aires is, has been pretty, has been pretty wonderful. So um, due to, I guess, uh, we, we kind of switch, we're switching out managers back and forth. So we had three different managers um, for, the, for, the, for the length of the three-month tour. But we went with Chorch to Mar de Plata, which, was, which is like a port city. And it's beautiful in the summer. And, of course, we go to Argentina in, in, in the winter, which was a total, you know, I was, did not know Argentina got cold. Guys, I'm sorry. I thought, oh... You know, Latin American country, it's hot. It's got to be hot all the time, right? Wrong. And it was even more switched around. I said, oh, no, it's Argentina in, in May, in April. So it's going to be really hot. No, it's, it's, it's really cold over there. <laughs> and it was so bizarre seeing Christmas decorations in July. And whenever I would see it, I would think, oh, these, what are these, these people must have left on their Christmas decorations from December. But no. Their summertime is August, no, their summertime is November to February, March, which is crazy. It's upside down. So it was so bizarre for me. And I said, okay, so your Christmas is still celebrated December 25th? They're like, yeah. And I said, but it's hot. And they said, yes. And shopping for gifts is terrible because it's hot everywhere. I said, how bizarre. So all of, you know, all of the Christmas songs that have anything to do with winter, don't apply to Argentinians, which I think you know, it was just, it was very interesting for me. Um, something else that we thought were really cool, they have timed stoplights. 
which I think is a very wonderful invention. So you're driving and, you know, you'll have a green light, but right next to it, there will be a time, you know, it'll have 30 and it'll count down. So you know how many seconds you have before it turns yellow. They also have it with a red light. You're sitting there with a red light and um, I know everyone has had this occasion, either by your uh, house or somewhere along in the, in the city that you live in where there's this one stoplight that lasts forever and you don't know why. So this was great because you can sit down and say, oh, 45 second red light, yeah, I can handle that, good. I know I maybe I can uh, take a sip from my coffee now and not have to worry about when it's gonna turn green so someone behind me rear ends me or, or honks because I haven't moved. So that's a lot of fun. There were weeping willows everywhere and weeping willows are my favorite type of tree and I don't see them a lot um, here in the United States except by water, I guess? I don't know. But there were so many weeping willows in Tigre, mostly. So we, the company is in Buenos Aires, but we were living in Tigre. It's like, um, it's just like it's 30 minutes away from the giant city. So it's still technically the city, but you don't call it that because it's its own little suburban place. And um, I thought it was lovely <laughs> that my favorite, uh, that my favorite tree was everywhere. It definitely made me feel happy if I was ever stressed or, or uh, really tired or not really necessarily in, in the best mood. I could always look at the, at the trees and feel very happy. Something that was a challenge in uh, Argentina was that a lot of restrooms, I'm going to say eight out of ten restrooms, did not have soap or toilet paper in schools, in hotels, I'm sorry, not hotels, in gas stations. And so I remember when we first got on the road, George, our manager, he got a whole roll of toilet paper and he said, we're going to need this because Argentina is not known for having toilet paper at gas stations. And I thought, gas stations? Yeah, okay, that kind of makes sense. Why not? But schools? We would go to private schools and public schools and the restrooms would not have any toilet paper and no soap. And so inevitably, all of us, well, with the exception of John, because John's a freaking anti-immune god of whatever. All of us got sick. All of us got pretty sick. And how, how, how can you not when you're, you're touching all these things that the kids touch and uh, sometimes the teachers would say, hey, come to the teacher's restroom. There's soap and there's paper towels and there's um, not even paper towels. Who cares about paper towels? There's soap and, and toilet paper. But sometimes you would have to go into the little kids' restrooms with their tiny little toilets and you gotta squat all the way down. Ah, oh, so there was a lot of hand sanitizer being used on tour. Um, as opposed to having a lever to flush the toilet, there's a button to push in the toilet. That's just a, a really cool little difference that I thought was kind of fun. Except it's really hard to use your foot to push a button on the wall because it's a lot taller than you expect. It's not on the commode, it's on the wall. So you have to push this button and getting your foot getting your foot all the way up there is kind of difficult. <laughs> so that we, we became ninjas. Um, over the course of the tour. So um, at one point we also went to a national park called Puerto, oh, I the R's are hard, Puerto Pirámides, which is a pyramid, it's pyramids, Puerto Pyramids, Pirámides. And there we went hiking and then Ben Jacobs wandered off on his own, so we hiked a little bit more looking for him and we saw a dead penguin. Uh, which is a lot more exciting, it was really much more exciting then than saying it now, but it was washed up ashore and it was dead and it was it looked it looked pretty fresh the only thing that was weird about it was that its tail was kind of kind of cut up so i wasn't sure if it was attacked or if birds had already gotten to it or something but there was a dead penguin and that was a, a very fun to see then uh, 
we found this really pretty body of water. Well, we were right by a very large ocean, but um, we landed or we walked on some rocks that were covered in, oh, what are they called? Covered in scallops? Sca yeah, scallops. They're like, they look like little mini oysters, but they're not oysters. And they're kind of like the dirty shell, you know, like the dirty animal that kind of, I think they were, oh man, I should really do my research before I start doing these. But they were all over the place. And they were, they were like fluorescent purple. Not fluorescent purple. Yeah, you know how, you know, sometimes when you look at a puddle of gasoline on the floor and the light hits it, it's got these like irides iridescent, what I'm looking for, iridescent like silver blues and purples. It was that. So I went and took one and put it in my pocket. And it was a national park, and maybe I wasn't allowed to do that. But, you know, there were thousands of them, and we were walking all over them. So we there was this pretty bodies of water, and I dropped my phone in that in a pretty bo uh, body of water. And uh, <laughs> what's so unfortunate is that we were all having a great time, and my phone dropping into the water was like the button of like, oh... Yeah, okay, yeah, now it's time to go. <laughs> so I kind of ruined uh, everyone's happy moment. And it wasn't, so we went and we were searching for like a bag of rice and I put my phone in the bag of rice and it worked fine and dandy within two hours, which I was very happy because it was in the, it was in the water for, for a while because when it fell, Claire saw it and she reached down for it. And I knew that if I reached down for it, both of our hands would just be fiddling trying to get that phone. So I just kind of let her do it. So in my brain, that made me feel like it took a little bit longer or because I didn't make any action, um, it could have caused more damage to the phone. <laughs> anyway, while we found the bag of rice, we were driving through the national park and there was just llamas and sheep just, just chilling on the sides of the road. So we spent about two hours trying to catch, trying to catch these llamas. And it was so funny, we would, we would drive up and since the car was automatic, no, the car was manual, we'd like turn it off and it would just kind of roll a little bit, you know, so that they wouldn't hear the engine. And we'd op we would open the van before it stopped so that they wouldn't hear the door open. And we would like, like lions and lionesses to their prey. We were like crawling in, the, in these weeds trying to catch these llamas. And man, these llamas did not, did not want to play any games. They knew what was happening. But we did not give up. At one point, John got so close to um, to taking on a sheep. Uh, these sheep are, they, yeah, I guess they're wild, but they're in a national point. Yeah, they're wild. And we were very close. It was just a lot of fun. <laughs> it was a lot of fun, too. Uh, we knew it was never going to happen. But John was really close. And John said, he was like, I was so close, but I, I didn't want to, like, hurt it or, like, break its leg or have it break my leg, which is true. I guess there's there's a lot of fear once you have that actual opportunity of oh wow I'm actually pretty close to to do what I wanted to do um, but that was a, that was wonderful we were driving through the national park to get to the other side of the coast where apparently it's like a whale mating ground um, not in the winter obviously but you can see a lot of sea lions when we went the sun was already going down and it was getting pretty cold but and we thought we weren't going to see anything, but there was just a wonderful nugget of treasure. As soon as we walked up, we heard this noise, and we looked across, and <clears throat> this was a little more protected than the llamas and the sheep. There was a dock that, w that lined the beach, but you couldn't actually go on the beach because that's private to the sea lions, and it's their home. So we were the only ones there. We walked up, and we saw a mother sea lion, you know, glide. What do they do, flub? I don't know, walking? 
bouncing, waddling along the floor. And her little baby sea lion cub right behind her, making all these sounds. And he was working like three times as hard to, to gain the distance that she got. And she would look back and um, make her sounds and roar and, and, and uh, the baby would respond. And it was definitely worth the maybe like the hour driving or what it what seemed felt like an hour because we spent two hours chasing llamas and sheep along the way <laughs> but it was definitely a treat I had never I'd never seen a sea lion before in my life I've seen seals you know like at um, Six Flags or any sort of theme park but never a sea lion and they are some ugly beautiful creatures uh, especially the, the oh the baby ones are so cute and there were just a couple of sea lions kind of poking their heads out from the water that you could kind of see, but I could I can't imagine how cold that water was because it was freezing. It was very windy, and maybe about 30 degrees. There is a saint that that people have created for specifically for truck drivers, and you'll see as you're driving along the street that you'll you'll find um, little empty shacks with red ribbons or red flags and a bunch of candles and um, lots of like two liter empty bottles plastic bottles of coke or sprite filled with stuff i don't know if it's money i don't know if it's like letters so finally i asked my stage manager what it was and they're like oh it's the saint who watches over truck drivers which i thought was very sweet um because they do work very long hours and they work a lot and a lot of times i might not be treated the might not be treated the best as well because a lot of times people are like you need to drive this amount of distance anyway I didn't know that there was a saint for truck drivers. Maybe there's a saint for everything, kind of like there's an app for that. I wonder if that is the same. When we were in Tigre, uh, ice cream was delicious. Ice cream was not proportioned well, but like in a, in a good way. You'd ask for a small cone and they'd put like four giant scoops on top of it, which was amazing. But, you know, uh, we were like, whoa, we thought America was bad. But that's pretty much the only thing that they indulge themselves on because everything else is uh, is pretty pretty small, I think. Oh, no, no, I'm wrong. Nope, they love their food. They love it a lot. But you don't take things home. It's not that big. So when you ask for a box, they kind of look at you a little bit weird because they're like, what do you mean a box? You eat what's in front of you. That's the whole point. Why are you going to take it? I don't understand. Why are you going to take it home? So there was a lot of confusion and also... No one orders coffee with their food. You you eat coffee, you drink coffee in the morning, and you drink coffee like for like dessert. So when um, Ben and I and John would ask for, or all of us would ask for like a cafe con leche on the side with our spaghetti or with our milanesa, and they'd look at us a little funny. <laughs> and then our stage manager would say that we're from America and Americans drink coffee everywhere all the time, always. They would go, oh, and then they'd walk in and give us some coffee. Something else that was very bizarre, you know, living in um, hotels, sometimes it's great when you have a complimentary breakfast. And over here, their cereal isn't with milk. Their cereal is with yogurt. And, you know, that's the, you know, I used to have yogurt and granola all the time um, in my um, early college days. But this was like plain yogurt and you put like cornflakes on it. <laughs> and that's it which was for at least the first two weeks, I wanted it so bad to be to taste like cereal, and it didn't. And of course, after a while, I started like, ooh, strawberry yogurt with frosted flakes. That sounds, ooh, let's get nice and, uh, let's get experimental here. Let's try some new things out. And I ended up loving it, of course. Something that was very interesting, especially for Matt and I, Matt and I are very like health conscious, and so um, we've been um, 
we worked out almost every day on that tour. We had a 60-day workout, and uh, we were very proud of ourselves. And, you know, it's difficult to eat the food that you want to eat, that you would like to eat, um, because we're given a per diem, and so sometimes it's not, um, you can't. And that's fine. So we, <laughs> living in these hotels, their breakfasts, Argentinians breakfast is bread, coffee, and dulce de leche. That is it. Nothing else. Well, I, I promise you, nothing else. And we're like, what? No eggs? No bacon? No toast? Waffles? And it, you know, whatever. It's not like American. You know, my breakfast was cereal, and I already told you that they didn't have that. So we had to eat bread and dulce de leche for breakfast almost every morning, which, don't get me wrong, is definitely not a bad thing. I was not complaining. But for someone who was trying to eat healthier, you're like, how can I possibly resist this delicious brown condensed milk sugary substance on a on a fluffy spongy piece of uh, bread or with a croissant a little media luna with some some glaze to put in your mouth and dissolve and so good so that was difficult when we go when we would go back to our home base in this hostel we had a we had a full kitchen and a grocery store uh, next next door or close down the street so we were able to buy apples and fruits and yogurts to, um, uh, you know, do, do something else, do something else for breakfast. Something that I thought was very cute, and I don't think I've ever experienced this before in the United States, is where um, you would go to, this would mostly happen in gas stations, but it would also happen in little kiosks, where you would pay for something, and you, if you don't give them exact change, like, it's a very, oh, it's very bizarre, where, let's say, let's say you buy something that's one ninety-seven and you give them $2, either they won't pay you back the, the three pesos because it doesn't really matter because it, it's not really worth anything, or they'll give you a candy or candies that are worth three pesos for change because they don't have change. So a lot of these places work with very large bills. Um, <laughs> so it was very cute. We're at a gas station, I'm paying for something and they're like, I don't have any change. Do you do you want to you want to pick out two little two little candies? <laughs> I was like, of course I do. It was a little a little present for my folk. It felt great. Was not mad about that at all. Something else that was very interesting. Like I said, every um, everyone drinks mate here. It's like a the drink that everybody drinks. It's a tea and it's very bitter and very very bitter. Definitely an acquired taste. And a lot of people drink flavored mate and people drink mate with sugar in it. Um, but um, Argentinians here, or the ones we know anyway, kind of scoff, and they're like, "Ugh, well, you know, you need to, you need to drink the real mate because that's for real Argentinians and whatever." So they have, so you see people around carrying a bunch of thermoses with their little mate cup and a straw, and pe- you know, people who are on the clock working do it. You know, people who are driving, people who are driving on their motorcycles, are um, holding their the steering. I guess they're, uh, what are they, holding the handle with one hand and then holding their mate in the other. So at gas stations, there were like mate thermos fillers. Like there was, you would put a peso in or two pesos in and you would get hot steaming water to fill up your thermos so that you can have mate on the road. And uh, how incredible is that, that uh, their, their drink is so popular that they have it 
the ability for you to get hot water wherever you'd like. And I want to say it's almost, I mean, we were trying to find an equivalent uh, to that, to the United States, and we thought, well, Starbucks. But the thing is, is that it's very different. Mate is a drink that you can drink by yourself, but it's, it's a social drink. There is a whole ritual to it where one person is the server, and he makes sure that the, he makes sure that the water is hot enough and that it's not too hot and that it's perfect and that the taste is delicious and so he will pour and he will pass it to someone. That person has to finish what's in the gourd or what's in the cup. And it's polite to slurp because the slurping sound means that you're done. And it's like, oh, it was so good, I finished it. So then you give it back to the pourer and he pours the drink and then he gives it to the next person and then the next person. And this happens until the water runs out or the mate gets old and then you either put more mate in. it's very social. It's not just, I'm going to go get my coffee and not listen to anybody. And this is my own little world with my own little coffee that I'm going to drink by myself. Because, let's be honest, who, who, who do you know that is willing to share the coffee that they just spent so much money on buying at Starbucks? So we really fell in love with that, with that kind of culture and with that community. Because I feel like we, we miss that a lot here in the United States. With our phones and... Um, they had phones too, but they were just much more communal, I think. So a lot of us bought our own mate and with our own little straws. And so I have mine. I haven't been able to drink out of mine because mine is a gourd, which was the original uh, mate holder or mate cup. And so everyone else got like wood or um, uh, steel, not steel, but like a ceramic kind of kind of cup. And that's really great um, because with a gourd, you have to cure it. So you have to like leave them at the in whatever, and gourds like to take in a lot of moisture, and if there's too much moisture, then it gets mold, and da 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 da. So then I got mold in my gourd, and then I had to take it out, and then I had to dry it, and then I had to cure it again, and that was a lot. It was very difficult. <laughs> so for the for the majority of the tour, my my mate was never uh, good. It was just uh, curing some more. So <laughs> I always had to drink from other people's, but we all have some and I have mine and I think it's beautiful and I love it but I haven't really been able to drink out of it because I don't have the tea um, I just haven't been in the city too much to, to go searching for it but I'm definitely I'm not I'm sure I'm going to find some of it here a lot of our friends like in Montana my, my John who's from who's from Montana had to buy it off of the internet because there's not a store that is that caters to uh, specific Argentinian uh, uh, de- delicacies <laughs> we had to drive to a city that I believe was called Tucumán and while we were driving we stopped we were driving for a very long time maybe maybe eight hours and we stopped to get gas when we stopped to get gas the car the van died and I think it was a transmission and it kaput did not want to turn on so we were stranded in a gas station at night for five hours uh, waiting for someone to tow us and uh, you know George was trying to talk to people you know trying to call tow trucks and tow, tow trucks are only like yeah I've, I can I can take you and maybe one other person with me to this next city but we're like no we have we have a car full of five people so then he had to call a tow truck and then that tow truck had to call like a taxi who was willing to get up and drive this far to drive four more hours or they might have been two two more hours to the city that we had to get to so that he can he can hold the other five uh so that was so we were sitting in the gas station for a while until the gas station closed and then we were just laying in the van pretty cold because it was cold outside but you know we were huddling together and 
with our breath and <laughs> the condensation of the windows, we were able to kind of heat up a little bit. I brought like a shower speaker that could connect to Bluetooth because the van's uh, MP3 auxiliary cord cable doesn't work. And so um, we jammed to Billy Joel for about two hours, maybe, or an hour and a half, just singing his songs. And um, what was great was that we weren't panicking. And I think our stage manager or our manager did a very good job at saying, this isn't even half of the terrible things that happens to this van. This van is so old. This is so typical and easy. Don't you worry about it. We're going to be fine. And it's so easy to worry about the company and just like, oh my gosh, how much money is this going to cost? Da, 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 da. But that's, it's not our job to worry about that. Our job is to do our job and that's it. And to be taken care of. So just kind of laying down in the, in the car. And by this time it was what, two or three in the morning. <laughs> and uh, man, it was it was a it was a good night actually. It wasn't a bad night at all, and I think it, it would have been very possible for all of us to get stressed out with each other and upset with each other. But I think we all understood that we're all we're all irritated, and there's there's two ways to go about it. You can be mad and decide to be mad, or relax and uh, say yes to what everyone else is saying and enjoy the enjoy the flow. So we were all. And who doesn't love Billy Joel? I mean, come on. I mean, you know, you got to know at least two of his songs to have fun. When we were in Walawaichu, I think it's the city. Oh, man, my castmates who are going to be hearing this are going to hate me because I don't remember the cities that we went to. And, and it, it is actually really hard to remember, to remember where you were because at some point we would drive to a city, perform a show, sleep that night, get up and go to another city. So, oh man, it was it was difficult. Even our bosses were like, yeah, you're gonna go to a lot of places, but you're not really gonna be there because you're only there for one day. So uh, at one point we were, I think it was in Walawaichu, and we went into this um, ice cream shop or it was a cafe that had an ice cream shop on the side. And it was called Bonpain, bon, B-O-N-P, a-I-N, and that's French, and I don't know how to, whatevs, yo. And we were getting our ice cream, and I noticed that the man at the counter had a don't mess with Texas mug. And I, and I said, oh my gosh, and I told him, I'm from Texas. And he goes, what? And he, was, and he went off and off about how him and his wife make it a point to go, the, to go to the United States twice a year. That once their children grew up and went off to college and went off to get married and have kids, they got their passports and they got their visas and they, um, they make it a point to go to a place in the, in this, in the city or in the country uh, every fall and every one, every fall and every spring. And I thought, oh my goodness, that's amazing. And this gentleman was, he seemed to look very young, but the fact that he said that his kids were grown makes me believe that he, him and his wife got married at a very young age because he looked like he was maybe in his mid to late 40s, which to me is not, not old me. <laughs> uh, and he was very, very sweet, so nice. In fact, that he gave us free ice cream. He, we, we told him where we were from and what we were doing, and it, uh, he complimented uh, four, four little ice cream cones for us. And it was very sweet. His name was Marcelo. And uh, we were only there for maybe four days, I think, or maybe a week. But uh, before we left, we made sure to pass by the store and, and wave a little goodbye to him because it was a wonderful, he was just a wonderful person to meet. We were driving through South Argentina, right, Patagonia, and um, there were these beautiful landscapes that... Um, that I don't think that I didn't think could exist in a Latin American country. I didn't realize how. Well, you know, whatever. I guess I, I've spent my whole life realizing that I'm ignorant to so many things, and I think that's a that's the I guess the first step, right? 
but uh, there were mountains in certain areas, and then the plains weren't even. It wasn't. It wasn't like dirty flat ground Mexico with like mesquite bushes all over the place, which is basically what Texas looks like. Um, but uh, apparently, when we were in Costa Rica, there was a giant flood that happened. Um, along the southern part of Argentina. So while we were driving, we saw a lot of families in huts, like wooden huts or uh, little little shacks made out of cloth living on the side of the road because their houses were flooded. They were, their houses or their farms were down into the valley and uh, the water was still there. The water was so high that trees were being covered. You could only see the tops of these trees. And granted, I don't think these trees were very tall, but uh, at some point, I guess we returned to a similar spot maybe a week after, and tree branches were covered in plastic bags. And it almost looked like an art piece because, you know, plastic bags of different colors are blues, whites, and yellows that were attached and hanging, tattered um, along these branches, hundreds. And it was just plastic bags that were carried through the rain, um, just hanging on these branches. It was uh, a little... It was sad and disturbing and beautiful at the same time. Uh, I don't know if there were any casualties to this flood. I don't think so. I think everyone had enough uh, foresight and uh, they, they, they knew that something bad, that there was going to be a hurricane. But what our manager said was what can be prevented is irrigation, is that the government can spend the money that they need to spend on irrigating these farmlands because these farmers, yes, their, their families are okay, but their houses aren't, and their crops aren't, um, and you know it's. And they, I don't know if they have like active God insurance, you know, that if the government will help them because a disaster happened on their farm that wasn't their fault. Uh, we were in Uruguay for about a week. Marijuana is legal in Uruguay, and we knew we found that out very quickly. Everywhere you walked, people were people were smoking marijuana. Smoke shops all over the place, which is great, you know. I mean, didn't didn't mind me and no one was bothering me and people were minding their own business and they were very friendly and very nice but um, that was a very fun experience we lived in this very very beautiful hotel for that week uh, everyone kind of wanted to stay inside which makes sense you know we're driving in a van all the time and all you want to do is just kind of stay indoors and relax a little bit but Matt and I love to go on adventure so we wanted to go bike riding you know bike around the city and there's a, a very pretty pier or like a dock that you can uh, bi bicycle ride by and uh, we wanted to do it. We had one day off before we left, and so we rented these bikes, but then it started to pour down rain. Pouring, pouring. So Matt and I, we looked at each other, and I was like, I don't care, do you? And he goes, nope. And Matt had just learned how to ride a bike a few months before. So getting him to learn, getting him to relearn and getting on was so much fun, and in the rain. And so we were soaking wet by the time we came back, but we spent maybe a good two hours driving up and down and uh, we had a great talk, talked about uh, our personal lives and uh, stuff on tour and things that we're finding difficult and um, things that we think are great and it was pretty wonderful. We did see a Holocaust memorial, which is bizarre to, bizarre to me until I learned that there were Jews that were also killed here in Argentina and that a lot of Nazis actually escaped to Argentina after the, after the war ended and they were being um, prosecuted. Uh, so there are still Nazis to this day, or former Nazis, that are living in Argentina. And apparently one was caught a year ago, and he was 
he was like 80, 85, 80, no, probably older than that, 88 years old, and he was put to trial. Our last three weeks was in Buenos Aires, which was great. We kind of considered that home. It's our home base where we have a full kitchen, and it was great. Um, we, we, we did it. We pulled through, and it was tough. I mean, there was one, one, mo- there was one night where our goal was to drive from one city to another, uh, perform, perform in the morning, drive from one city to another, which took about four hours, sleep, get up in another city, and um, perform the show, which was great. Except our van broke down, and that took about five hours during the day to get that kind of fixed. So then we needed to hire a van, a taxi driver, but not just any taxi driver. We needed to hire a taxi driver that could hold all of our luggage and and our whole set. Long story short, we ended up getting into that city Oh, my apologies. The performance wasn't in the morning. The performance was in the evening. That's why it was a little difficult. We had a performance in the evening, so then at 6 or 7, we would drive to the other town. So we would get there at around 10 or 11 o'clock at night. We ended up getting there at 4 in the morning, 4.35. And we had to get up at 6.30 for the next show. That was our toughest turnaround. And man, was it hard. Luckily, that show that morning was only one show, and those kids really liked it. Um, and it's not our—it's not—it's not the company's fault, you know. The van decided to break down, and we had to figure out how to work around it. And I am very happy that our ensemble is patient enough. I guess we—we—we we, we, we all know that there are things that are out of our control that that will waste our energy if we complain about it. So it was great. I mean, we we, we did it, but the bullet I and mean, <laughs> it was tough. Uh, I'm sorry. When we got to Tigre. It was kind of a breath of fresh air, like, oh my goodness, we've made it. We're going home in three weeks. And uh, then we all got sick again. (laughs) John, who had not been sick at all in the Middle East and was not sick at all on this tour, got a cough. And then not not just a cough, but like a headache and nausea. And then then I got it. I got it a day after, two days after he, him, or no, maybe four days. And man, was it bad. It was really bad. It was dizziness. Your body is so achy, and you're coughing up all of this phlegm, and your nose is running like crazy. And I remember coughing so hard that I would almost feel like throwing up because my uvula was uh, tensing, or things were hitting, like phlegm was like hitting my uvula as I was coughing it up. Um, so when I got back to the States, I still had this cough and this runny nose, even though I felt fine. And, I, and it's been three weeks, so I've technically had this sickness for about four weeks, about a month. Now I'm fine, my runny nose is gone, but every once in a while I'll, I'll cough just once, as opposed to the seven, uh, seven coughs that I used to have to have or take. But that was very interesting. I also got a yeast infection, my very first yeast infection on tour, which was a wonderful learning experience. <laughs> Some news, Claire on our tour, she has decided to not finish with us. She, uh, this was her last leg. She is, uh, has left and so she's now, I think, back in upstate New York with her boyfriend and stuff like that. But, so we hired a, not we, but the company hired a new girl named Kelly Polk, who will now be the new Princess, uh, Princess Anne of the show. And so we've conversed a little bit on Facebook, and she seems like a very sweet girl, so I'm very excited to meet her. On this next leg, we're going to Mexico City, Chile, a little bit of Argentina, if I'm not mistaken, like a week, and to go back to home base, but I don't think so. Anyway, Chile, Mexico City, and Asia. 
I'm not entirely sure what cities in Asia. I do know for sure that we're going to, to Taiwan, and I think we're also going to Hong Kong, but I'm not sure what uh, the other cities are. But feel free to look on my Instagram and on my Facebook to, to see the adventures that I have there. I am very excited. I ate some llama in, um, in Argentina, so I am totally going to eat some weird animal in Asia. Just you wait. I'm so excited. Being in a Latin American country... And being, you know, go, be, getting the opportunity to go to Chile and to go back to Mexico has been great for my Spanish. And for everyone else's Spanish, it, I, it's so great that it's so bizarre how much, how little I know about other Latin American countries because in my brain and in my little mind, Mexico is so big and Mexico is like the only country that speaks my language. And it's been great to notice uh, different foods in different regions and not every Latin American country eats rice and beans, you know. It was great. It was tough. It was very tough, but I am so happy that I came out on the other end stronger and um, ready to keep going, especially now that it's going to be a breeze after that one. I am so excited. <laughs> All right. Well, I think it's about time to go now. I think Robert has uh, is meeting me here at the entrance of Central Park. It's pretty nice outside. I think it's like 75, 80 degrees. Well, it's probably hotter out in the sun. I'm sitting under a tree right now, so that's probably why I feel amazing. But thank you so much for taking a listen to this, all of you who are out there. It means a lot. Uh, and I know I don't... Uh, it was very difficult during tour to record due to just difficult times, you know, mentally, physically, and well, I'm happy to be back on board, and hopefully I will have more time off during the tour so that I can record some more stuff. And oh my goodness, Asia, man, you you get ready get ready for all of the things that i'm not gonna know about <laughs> in asia all right guys thank you so much